new breeding stock to their herds of sheep and goats. Animal mortality in the desert was high. In the past, the two nations had fought over such items, but now wiser heads prevailed and they had decided that an alliance might be mutually beneficial for trade and for security. The waters of the constant sea were infested by corsairs in swift small galleys, They swooped on merchant ships travelling between the two countries, robbing and sinking them. Some in the region even looked back regretfully to the time when Scandian wolfships used to visit these waters. The Scandians had raided as well, but never in the numbers that were seen these days, and the presence of the Scandian ships had kept the incidence of local pirates down. Nowadays the Scandians were more law-abiding. Their aubergeal, Erak, had discovered that it was far more profitable to hire his ships out to other countries who needed to secure their national waters. As a result, the Scandians had become the de facto naval police in many parts of the world. The Toscans and Aridi, with no significant naval forces of their own, had decided, as part of their agreement, to lease a squadron of wolf ships to patrol the waters between their two coastlines. All of which were the reasons why Holt and Will had spent the last ten days in Toscana. The long-standing enmity between the two countries, accompanied by the inevitable suspicion of the other's intentions, had led both sides to agree to ask a third-party nation to act as arbitrator in the treaty that was being put in place. Araluan was a country trusted by both Arida and Toscana. In addition, the Araluans had close ties with the Scandian Aubergeal, and it was felt that their intervention would be helpful in forming a relationship with the wild northern seamen. It was logical for Selethan to suggest the inclusion of Holt and Will in the Araluan delegation. He had included Horace in the request as well, but duty had taken Horace elsewhere. The actual wording and conditions of the treaty were not the concern of the two rangers, they were simply here to escort the chief Araluan negotiator, Elise Mannering, Will's childhood sweetheart and one of the brighter new members of the Araluan diplomatic service. She was presently locked away with the Aridi and Toscan lawyers, thrashing out the fine details of the agreement. Selethan dropped gratefully into a seat beside Will. The three companies of Toscan legionnaires— thirty-three to a company with an overall commander making up the traditional Toscan sentry of one hundred men, pivoted through a smart right turn below them, changing from a three-abreast formation to an extended eleven-abreast. In spite of the wider formation, their lines were still geometrically perfect, straight as a sword-blade, Will thought. He was about to voice the thought, then he smiled. The simile wouldn't be accurate so far as Selethan's curved sabre was concerned. How are the negotiations progressing? Holt asked. Salathan pursed his lips. As all such things progress, my Chamberlain is asking for a reduction of three-quarters of a percent on the duty to be charged for café. Your advocates, he said, including Sapristi in the conversation, are holding out for no more than five-eighths of a percent. I had to have a break from it all. Sometimes I think— they do this because they simply like to argue. Sapristi nodded. It's always the way. We soldiers risk our lives fighting while the lawyers quibble over fractions of a percentage point, and yet they look upon us as lesser beings. How's Elise managing? Will asked. Selethan turned an approving look on him. 
Your Lady Alice is proving to be an island of calm and common sense in a sea of dispute. She is very, very patient, although I sense that she has been tempted to whack my chamberlain over the head with his sheaf of papers on several occasions. He looked down at the three Toscan companies, now reforming into three files. A destra, doppio di corsa! The order was given by the sentry commander, who stood in the centre of the parade ground. Instantly, the companies turned right, reformed into three files, then broke into double time, the thud of their sandals and the jingle of equipment sounding louder and more urgent with the increase in pace. The dust rose higher as well. General Sapristi, Selathan asked, indicating the tight formations. This precision drilling makes for quite a spectacle, but is there any real benefit to gain from it? Indeed there is, Fakir. Our fighting methods depend on...